everyone. Welcome to our newest episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, myself, Laura Matsu, and Bernhard Gunther. And in this podcast, we are going to be discussing how to work through five common relationship challenges that we've basically seen in our coaching, in our group program, Embodied Soul Awakening. And we just see overall that relationships have become more and more challenging during this time of transition. So, you know, people are longing for deeper, more soul-based relationships. We're seeing a lack of relationship skills and people. So we're going to address five really important topics that we see are really common for both single people and people in relationships. So there's something in there, whether you're in a long-term relationship or you're just single right now or even dating. But before we go into that, we're going to, we have actually an announcement. We have a very rare masterclass coming up, uh, a three-hour live training. It's online and it's about evolutionary relationships and how to use relationships as a path of awakening. And we're going to give you some of the most crucial tools you need to do that. So this is going to be on October 6th at 12 to 3 p.m. PST. If you can't make it live, we're going to send out the recording to everyone. And it's going to be Bernhard and myself. We also have a special guest teacher, a relationship psychotherapist, Lay. Leanne Lopinto. And this is really our first time we're going to be offering a three-hour masterclass on this topic. So this class is for everyone. So whether you're single, dating, in a long-term relationship or marriage, it's going to have something for you. And so some of the topics we're going to get into, one central piece is how can you use relationships as a path of evolution? Um, How to attract and create the kind of relationship that you want why do you keep attracting or being attracted to partners who aren't right for you? We're going to address that topic, very common. What to do when one partner is quote unquote waking up, but the other partner isn't. We're going to talk about the more esoteric parts of relationships. So occult forces and influences in relationship, love bites, trauma bonds. And we're also going to really talk about what we feel is the secret to divine union. And it's not anything you've heard out in the new age community, that's for sure. We're also going to talk about relationship repair and how navigating conflict is like fundamental for growth in relationships. And we're also going to do a demonstration as well, demonstrating a, a primary communication skill that we feel that you need in order to make your partner feel seen and heard. So if you want to join us, um, just go to the website Evolutionary Relationships Now. Um, again, that's Evolutionary Relationships Now. And also you can check out Bernhard's website, veilofreality.com, where he has uh, a poster for it as well. Yeah, it's evolutionaryrelationshipsnow.com, all one word. And you definitely don't want to miss out on this because as Laura said, we don't do these uh, masterclasses very often. That's very special. It's a three-hour immersion uh, with a special guest. And again, it's October 6th at... 3 p.m., excuse me, 12 p.m. until 3 p.m. PSD, Pacific Standard Time. And um, anyone who registers will also receive a recording. So in case you can make it, uh, you will receive the recording as well if you sign up. Yeah, perfect. Excellent. With that being said, let's get into this episode on how to work through five relationship challenges. So we're going to go through all of them in in together in the first and second hour of this podcast. And they are, in a nutshell, number one, when one partner isn't growth-oriented and the other is. Number two, the search for the perfect partner and addiction to romance. 
Number three, lack of relationship skills and understanding of the different phases of relationships. Number four, trauma and self-defeating patterns and beliefs about relationships. And number five, the twin flame, the new age delusion and distortion and, you know, all this talk about divine masculine, feminine stuff that has become very corrupted and over simplified in this day and age. So we'll be going through all of these over the next two hours. So um, here we go. Let's start with number one. That's a big one. That's a very important one. The idea of, uh, you know, relationship, we have talked about this before, needs to be growth oriented. What does it mean to be growth oriented? I think that it means to welcome change rather. I mean, we all kind of on a some level, we do fear change, you know, we because it's the ego likes comfort, security, routine, you know. So I think it's people who lean into change and rather than avoid it at all cost, you know. And, you know, what I see with people is that sometimes as well, they become growth orientated within the relationship and they get mm. into all sorts of self-development or psychology or spiritual topics. And then they try and get their partner to be into those same things. So I think there's a few different factors there. Um, number one, like it's really normal when you get into self-work to, especially when you read a book that like changes your life to want to like share it with everyone around you and be like, okay, I'm working on my triggers. I'm working on my shadow. You also do that. You do that. You do that. You know, you should, you should. Yeah. Where, where you get into self-development and you're all gung ho and then you, you try and force it onto others or maybe subtly get others into it, you know, because you can see how valuable it, it maybe could be for their life and maybe it could. But I also want to bring in something that I've also really noticed as well is that when we get into certain topics, sometimes we can try and force them upon our partner in a way to make them more like us, actually. Yes. It's a way to try and actually return to the romantic stage where we're super connected and super into the same things and there's like no difference between you. So there's nuance to this, you know. Number one, it is, you know, if you get into growth and you're in a relationship already, all of a sudden, then you get orientated towards growth. Yes, that can make your partner really uncomfortable because that wasn't the person you were before you got into the relationship. So there's that piece, you know, and then there's the decision, okay, do you stay or leave in that relationship when you've changed? And then there's the other piece when you get into growth and then you try and get your partner into the same things that the interests that you're getting into as a way to try and make them more like you. So there's different mm -hmm. strategies that people use, you know? And then there's also, because personally, I think that if you're orientated towards growth and you're single, you should also be looking ideally for people who are also oriented towards growth or else it's going to be your worst nightmare and you're going to be their worst nightmare. But if you do it in a relationship, it's a different story. Yeah, interesting that as you were sharing this, two things came up very true. Uh, I think you said at the beginning, uh, really, if you enter a relationship, you know, more quote, con what means a conscious relationship growth oriented, like using the material that comes up for self-work. And naturally when you're in a relationship, more stuff will come up naturally. So like you said, a lot of people will be driven to do more engaging in a work, self-work or even relationship work because stuff will inevitably come up. Yeah. As I know when you're alone by yourself, there's, I always say there's only so much self-work you can do by yourself and you can actually get caught in your, um, comfort zone so to speak and i think that's why a lot of people also become relationship avoidant because it's easier to hide 
by yourself. You can lie to yourself, you have your own blind spots. And like you said, it's important to be around other people who are growth-oriented and can act as mirrors because naturally, even by the act of, um, you know, the, how uh, shadow projection works and anima-anima's dynamics, it, it only comes up in a relationship. That's why, and we go in this deeper as well, especially also in our masterclass, you know, in this spiritual union from an esoteric perspective, the growth aspect or spiritual evolutionary aspect can go faster in a committed relationship because there's more material to work with actually that yeah, comes up. Exactly. Right? More triggers. Exactly. More instances where you have to learn how to emotionally regulate yourself. Exactly. The number two thing you said, it's right and I can totally turn the mirror on myself. In past relationships, I was definitely looking for somebody who's totally like-minded. Like, you know, this is a trap of like-mindedness. Yes, there needs to some level of looking the same direction, having a certain uh, worldview or similar interests and whatnot, but there can be the trap of wanting somebody who is exactly like us, reads the same books, has the same beliefs, uh, same interests and all of that. Yeah. And I've seen this in myself in past relationship and it came now, it actually from some level it comes from excitement of like, oh, like you said, when we like get our people, being able to talk to somebody and we're excited about this and we want to have a best friend and lover at the same time where we can share everything together. Yeah. Right. But I can see myself um, in this type of relationship then uh, almost like my I was working with an astrologer back then and he almost said, even for my setup sometimes, that I'm looking for a clone of myself. <laughs> it's almost this narcissistic wounding. Uh, but in a sense, um, it was actually coming from my own insecurity of not really valuing myself, right? And needed almost like I needed the validation from my partner to believe and know all this. It's a codependency thing. Codependency thing, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what's coming from. So we need to be very careful not to abuse this idea of like, especially everybody like minded, especially with what's happening in the world nowadays. Yes, uh, there's there's a lot of happening in the world, certain splitting, and there's almost a timeline split, which I talked about this as well. And it needs a certain like looking the same direction, but there's the trap of you know, wanting to be completely like-minded on all levels. And we're almost, you know, people unconsciously looking for a clone of themselves. Exactly. And then one more piece to that is that we have to understand that everyone does, like, we're all in the process of evolution. I feel that really truly. And it can be also involution where we're destroying something before something new is built, which looks very destructive, but it's involution and evolution, right? But we all grow at different uh, rates basically you know so if you're like a scorpio plutonian person like like i am or bernhard even you tend to like gravitate towards what mm. you can work on and grow in and so you tend to move towards that you know but more earthy people actually grow at a slower stage so it's like you know we have to just this idea of like growth orientated and the other is i get it you know because i do see people can be very fixed in their mindset like and the thing with fixed mindset relationships is that they tend to want like unwavering devotion. Like you stay the same. I stay the same. You like me as I am. I like you as you am. And there's this hidden agreement that neither of us are allowed to change. And that, again, is um, people want to stay in this kind of symbiosis. You know, they want things to stay the same, but then they grow stagnant over time. Yeah. And so... 
you know, there's two types of also couples, which you're going to talk about later. You know, there's a conflict avoidant couple who tend to basically avoid even talking to one another about their differences. And then their relationship gets stale and many things get ignored and pushed under the rug. And it not only affects the, well, it really affects the vitality of the relationship, but it makes people actually drift apart over time because you think that in order in order to maintain the stability of the relationship, you're not sharing the different things that you're interested. You're not sharing your true feelings. And you think maybe unconsciously that that maintains the status quo of the relationship, but it actually erodes it over time. That's one couple. And then there's a more hostile, uh, angry couple. I'm using words from a developmental model of couples therapy, by the way. Um, there's a hostile, angry couple who tend to fight a lot and they fight a lot because they want to make their partner like them. And they get very anxious when their partner has a different opinion or different interests, different views. So we're going to address that later on how to deal with those certain couple couples, you know, but also to acknowledge that, you know, you can't force your partner to change and then really be honest with yourself about where you're coming from. If you're in a relationship if you're single and growth is a top value for you, you need to decide that for yourself, you know, then also look for people who are growth orientated right off the bat, you know, and then also understand they might grow at a different phase than you too. It might take them longer to warm up to certain things or whatever. And then also, you know, one partner changing in a really sincere way can change the system. That's one theory from family systems theory that we know is true. So even in your own family of origin, you changing can actually change your parents, change your brothers, you know, on a subtle level. Um, Bert, Bert Hellinger talks about that in um, family constellation work as well. So just knowing that your change affects the whole system can be really an important concept to understand. Yeah, because one of the uh, big things we have seen and also heard also, um, by the way, um, our colleague and friend, uh, Leanne, Lopinto will be also guest speaker at our uh, master class on evolutionary relationship. Notice that in her uh, practice working with people and couples, that quote unquote one person is waking up, the other is not. Maybe it can be related to what's happening in the world and whatnot. There's a splitting within family and friends and whatnot. And sometimes, yeah, um, separation is is needed. But what we have also seen a certain like fallacy and projection in that and kind of abuse of this word like oh my you know i'm doing all the work my partner's not doing i'm all want to do all this my partner's not that can most often stem from a sort of projection onto the other person or like you mentioned wanting the other person to be a certain way yeah and they're not really uh, applying the work themselves right yeah. or they want to go back to the earlier stage of symbiosis the romance phase and like um you know and then it tends to starting actually the projections line into really blaming the other partner. Oh, you're not doing this, you're not reading this, you're not doing the work, I'm doing the work. And it's actually uh, not not truly that that person is waking up, it's more that person is projecting and not really doing the work. Because like you said, when you sincerely do the work, even one person, it can change dynamic. Because there's the fallacy, like the idea takes two to tango is, is, is quite right, but everybody's in different stages of evolution, different lessons, even evolutionary astrology shows that very well with the different transits. So we cannot expect... Uh, the, um, our partner to do exactly the same work we're doing. You know, it happens in different phases and th there's a different dynamic. Yeah. But what we have seen, and that's really fascinating, even our online uh, program, which we have done uh, for a number of years now, our 12-week program, 
time of transition, but it's all awakening where we go. So relationship stuff, especially go deeper into shadow projection, trauma work. We've seen with some people um, that also were disillusioned in a relationship. You know, they think they're waking up, their partner's not doing anything. They were blaming their partner at the beginning and then going through the process, understanding shadow work, trauma work, they realized, oh my God, I was actually projecting on my partner. There's a lot of stuff I need to face. And I wasn't looking within myself. And the more I worked really on myself and applied the work myself, my partner then actually, uh, you know, was then more receptive, a changed uh, in his own way, so to speak, or her own way. Yeah, I've heard, I've, I've heard that multiple times. So, you know, there is really like, I mean, it, it all comes down to your own relationship to growth as well. And your own relationship to other people's growth. Because the truth is that every, peop- every person grows at a different rate. You know, every person has even seasons that they get really into growth and then they might just kind of chill for a bit. You know, it happens even for the most growth orientated person. There's like peaks and valleys all the time. So that's one thing. And then also like, where is it coming from? Do you are you trying to make your partner like you? Like I once had a client where like their partner was really into like breath work and like cold plunges and like saunas and like kind of like the biohacking self self work stuff. And she was really into attachment and trauma and all this stuff, you know, and they're both growing, but they're growing in different ways and they both like different things, you know. And so there can be the tendency to want to like make your partner get into the same ways of personal development that you are when they also are their own person with their own, you know, journey and like, you know, some things work for other people and another and some things don't work for others. So it's important to just understand those nuances. So yeah. am I projecting on my partner and not really doing the sincere work or myself? Am I doing this to make my partner more like me? You know, because we're going to talk about later in the podcast, the importance of differentiation. And then also realizing that your sincere changing can change the whole system and can change the relationship with your partner. And I know that's controversial for some people. And I also want to acknowledge that there's some relationships that are, are unworkable, yes, you know, yeah. especially when there's been like, you know, in, in intense betrayal or lies or, you drugs, know, or, yeah, abuse. drugs or abuse, yeah. abusive relationships as well, you know, but if you really want to stay with someone and you really want to stay in a relationship, just really know that you changing can make profound changes for the system and can even inspire your partner to change more too. And also remember that we had this list, this quote by Liz Green. I think we mentioned it in the podcast. We have it in our course as well, which maybe, I don't know if you have time to look it up, but also really under basically natural to understand really in light of the people we attract or attracted to, you know, in that any time of our lives or relationships couldn't be any other way. So the fallacy is always to look for somebody else out there, something better, something different. And it also relates to which we also will be getting into in a failure to recognize these different archetypal stages of a relationship. Yeah, we're going to talk about that um, on the third point for sure. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about the, that kind of ties into the search for the perfect partner and the addiction to kind of romance. Yes. So, you know, people get really addicted to this idea of their ideal partner, and they also can get very hooked on this romantic phase of the relationship because it's actually like a drug. You get all these good hormones flooding through your body, you know, there's this really intense symbiosis, which happens during the romantic phase as well. 
And then also, you know, because we're getting this rush of like all these feel good hormones, we can also get into relationships with people during the romantic phase if we're not discerning who actually aren't long term relationship material and Mm -hmm. don't actually have shared values with us. So I think it's really important to number one, understand how unfulfilled childhood needs can heighten during the romantic phase and can make you, you know, feel like, oh my God, this is the one, this is my savior, you know, which is actually kind of like a child relating to their ideal parent. So that's one thing we need to look at the attachment patterns that go go up. And then also just, well, the romantic phase is to be appreciated, to understand. And it's also really important, you know, to also, you know, keep your left brain, logical brain online during that phase and really be like, what kind of relationship am I looking for? And what kind of, am I looking for a long-term relationship? And if I am looking for a long-term relationship, does this person have shared values and a vision that that can be potentially a good partner for long-term? Which out of my own experience, it's easier said than done because I also learned the hard way, so to speak, there's a common rule like in the sense of, you know, because the romantic phase can also very much um, basically correlates to positive shadow projection in Jungian terms. You project a lot of stuff, uh, qualities on your partner through this idealized lens and he or she are not really, uh, you know, inhibiting these qualities. You're just projecting them on them. And the reason you project them because unconscious, you know, childhood wounds, all this stuff, you look for something to fulfill yourself. You look actually in esoteric terms for your essence. And the stronger the projections, the the stronger the romantic high with all the emotional bliss, the butterflies in the stomach, like thinking of your lover all the time, you know, the stronger the fall will and the disillusionment will come later, right? Because um, there are a lot of unconscious material is being stirred up, so to speak. And then also on top of it, the sexual connection, all of that, just on a basic hormonal biological level. So that's being all activated and that's mis- most often mistaken as true love. I mean, most of the songs, I think we've mentioned it before, that the love, so-called love songs are just based on this romantic phase and love hurts and all this stuff or Hollywood movies and all that. So we have this, cor- this distorted idea of, of what actually a true deeper love commitment is beyond the romantic phase. And also I want to mention what, uh, what Rani, when you were saying that in Gurdjieff's terms or Almas's terms in, when it comes to relationship, you know, you can be really attracted to somebody just based on personality, superficial personality or sexual attraction or just physical appearance. And it's just personality attracted to personality, but not be a match uh, from a level of essence, from a level of true self. Mm-hmm. So um, you can literally, quote unquote, fall in love with somebody who is actually not a good match for you in the long term. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, both anxious and avoidant attachment types can be addicted to romance and they often keep finding each other. So anxious types tend to like dive really fast, really hard in relationships, often will even have sex really fast, you know, because they use it as a way of maintaining the connection. And avoidant types as well are known for like kind of like love bombing and you're the one, but then they go cold after, you know. So I think it's really important to, number one, understand your attachment style and really work on developing secure attachment within yourself if you're single before you get into relationship and also when you're in relationship as well. And then also just have it be a little bit aware of the romantic phase and how intoxicating it can be. 
Um, and then just be clear as well. What are your values that are most important to you before you get into a relationship? Like literally write them out and then write out your deal breakers. So if one, if a person has one of these, you are like, this is a red flag. So, and then the last thing is like, look at what you bring to the table as well. So you're going in there with a secure sense of the value that you add to relationship. You're also getting clear on what values are important to you. So whether it's growth, whether it's an interest in spirituality, whatever it is, you know, you need to know what you're looking for because the romantic phase can hit you at any point in time. You know, if someone reminds you of a past lover or someone, you know, like it can just intoxicate you. So you really got to have of like one foot in reality when this phase yeah, hits you, you. Maybe you quote unquote fall in love with the profile picture on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then, and, then, and then you fill in the blanks about who this person is based on your projections, you know? So even understanding your positive projections as well is really important. And then another thing I want to add is that the perfect partner actually doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And you might feel that they're the perfect partner in the romantic phase. But then once you get in phase two, which we're going to talk about in a moment, the differentiation phase, you're going to realize that, no, this person is actually very different to you. So, you know, it's really important to just really get clear on those values, what's really most, and, and don't like, you know, spend some time thinking about this. Like I, what I did actually, um, when I was like kind of taking stock of my relationships is I looked at my relationships And I looked at the things that I loved most about my relationships that didn't work out, but I, but were worked at a certain point in period. And then that became my list, you know, and then the deal breakers, I wrote like all of the most like abusive, toxic relationships. I just took notes from that, you know, so like take stock of your relationship history and really see like, okay, like what worked, what didn't work, you know, just be practical and realistic about it because it's kind of like similar to the Taurus Scorpio axis, you know, Scorpio, you know, this is a node, this is in the place where the nodes are right now. Um, but Scorpio is like intense drama, even trauma bond kind of relationships. And the Taurus North Node, which is where the North Node is until February, is about, no, how can we create stable relationships that we nurture over time so they're not like fall hard and fall fast based on shared values? So we want to look for these more stable relationships Slow if you want a long-term relationship. Yeah. So... In that light, also understanding the romantic phase, like I mentioned before, is fueled with positive shadow projections. And then, uh, obviously, the, when a disillusionment happens, as it happens, and a romantic phase can last up to two, three years, by the way. So it, uh, many different or weeks, months, two, three years. Um, each situation is specific, but ultimately then... Um, the the negative the shadow comes out and then we see oh my partner changed you're not who I thought I was and 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 all these basic changes from positive projections to negative projections then we blame the partner that he or she didn't live up to this idealized image we had or stuff comes up we were just avoiding and as it necessarily come comes up but that's the phase of the commitment of when the work really starts and a lot of people who are like. Uh, really addicted to this romantic phase or just sexual illusion, attraction, whatnot, then they terminate the relationship and then just look for the next fix. And they're like this serial monogamist, so to speak. You well, know? yeah. And then that's also classic avoidance strategy. Mm -hmm. Avoidance don't like dealing with the hard stuff and they leave when it gets hard, typically, you know, which sends the anxious person like off the deep end. And then they also go on off and do the same usually as a defense mechanism. So, you know, we want to also look at like, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but basically what happens is 
the romantic phase binds people together in a we, in symbiosis, you feel super connected to them. And then you experience this first disillusionment, this first moment where you realize, whoa, you're very different. You're not what my positive projections thought you were, you know, and that begins a differentiation phase, which we're going to talk about. So couples that don't last cannot withstand the end of the romantic phase and the beginning of the differentiation phase. And it's a huge issue actually in, in, in all relationships, you know, you know, couples who break up after like two, three years or sometimes three months, if they're more intense couples, that's because they met the differentiation phase usually, and then they weren't able to differentiate properly. Yeah. On that note, we, you know, from a spiritual perspective, well, people have all this idea, which we want to talk about later, the idealized, idealized version of the divine union, twin flame and all of that, which we'll talk about later. But from a spiritual perspective, the search for the perfect partner, what people are actually looking for unconsciously is a relationship with God and the divine, their true self-essence. That's the most important relationship. So yeah. you really like, if you want to go deeper, if you want to have a evolutionary relationships, a conscious relationships, it's more about your relationship first, more with God, with the divine, with the higher principle, with your true self and essence. The more you're connected to that, uh, you won't get lost in a relationship. You won't project that much. You won't uh, expect from your partner to fulfill all needs, which most often are unfulfilled childhood needs that weren't met by our parental figures. And we still try to get it from our partner. And if we don't get them, then we blame partner. And, and again, it's, it goes round and round and goes with each relationship. Yeah. So the main point to understand is the romantic phase will end, even though it feels good, have one foot in reality during the romantic phase. And really, before you go into that romantic phase, get really clear on your values, what kind of relationship you're looking for, your deal breakers, and what you bring to the table, because that will help ground you in reality when you enter this phase. And then, you know, try and stick by stick by what you wrote down to. Exactly. So you yeah. want to move on to the last piece, because I think this one, I have a lot to say about it, actually. The... Um don't put yourself, don't... No, 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 the lack of relationship skills and understanding of the phases of relationship. Oh, yes, okay, so let's do that. All right. Yeah, so the third one, and we're going to get into the last two points in the second hour, um, which is only for members, by the way. Um, so the third point is lack of overall relationship skills and lack of understanding of the phases of relationship. Mm -hmm. So this is like the biggest piece, actually, is that... We are really living in an era where we weren't, number one, modeled healthy relationships most of the time. We weren't modeled healthy communication. We weren't told about like, you know, how to have a difficult conversation, how to be, how to express an opinion that's different than our partner, you know. And a lot of our parents actually didn't have the greatest relationships ourselves. So like we're really forging new territory here. So we're trying to bring all of this amazing, you know, consciousness we've had around attachment and trauma and developmental trauma and complex PTSD, which is relational trauma. We're trying to bring all of that understanding and healing into this new phase of relationships, which is why we called our masterclass evolutionary relationships, because my view is that all relationships actually serve your evolution. And if you get on board with that, then it can actually accelerate. They can be used as a spiritual path, basically. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, you actually have to have some relationship skills and also understand the phases of relationships so that you don't get caught constantly trying to go back to the romantic phase, the symbiosis phase, you know, this idealized image that happened in the early stages of a relationship. I see that a lot in couples. They're like, oh, we were so amazing when we 
in the beginning and we were so connected they were all into spirituality and now they've changed you know so a lot of that kind of languaging is actually like i want to go back to that romantic phase and you can't actually you know it was nice while it lasted and you'll get it coming together again but you're not going to go back so basically i'm going to talk about the different phases of relationship so there's symbiosis, which you've talked about already. So symbiosis happens in the beginning, can last anywhere from a few months to a few years. This is a honeymoon phase. So this is like you're deeply in love with person. You can't imagine it ever not seeing the same way as them. And we've all been there, but it doesn't last. So that's the first phase. That is basically the romantic phase. The it? romantic phase, exactly. And then there, and then the mark of the end of the romantic phase, according to Ellen Bader, which is this amazing couples therapist that we that we follow, um, she says that there's this first disillusionment. There's a first fight. There's a first realization. Your partner isn't exactly the person that you thought they were, you know. And then begins a differentiation phase. So this is the hardest phase, and this is the phase where most couples actually stagnate, stall, or they break up. It happens, actually, no, sorry, the breakup actually happens after a failed differentiation stage. So differentiation is basically when couples start to see what's different about them, and they often struggle greatly in two different ways to get rid of those differences. So there's two different ways they struggle with this. The There's a conflict avoidant um, couple who basically, once they start to notice their differences, they stop talking about certain things and they go cold. And then, you know, if that carries on for years and they never talk to each other about the things that really matter to them, that's one couple. So they're, basically they pretend everything is fine and good. They don't want to rock the boat. Exactly. They're basically codependency in a sense. Exa on both sides, exactly. Right? Exactly. So they're not actually talking through their differences or just denying, ignoring the pretending that they don't exist. And they're avoiding talking about a lot of things that are really important to them. And then there's another couple actually called the hostile, hostile, angry couple and what they do is they constantly get into these circular battles about things where they the cup the person one person in the relationship expresses a different point of view expresses a different interest or whatever and they like secretly under the surface they're fighting because they want their partner to see things the same way they're trying to convince their partner they're trying to make their partner be more like them so it's a different strategy but they're both trying to get back to the symbiosis phase so Basically, you know, then after, so basically in this stage of differentiation, you need to learn some way to manage your differences and manage your conflict. So in symbiosis, you're in a we, and in differentiation, you're learning how to live together as two eyes, as two people who are different, who have different opinions. And then the third stage is exploration. So this is when you really start to develop and practice your separate selves. You start to explore different interests and needs independent of each other. That's a scary stage for most couples. And if you didn't learn the conflict management strategies in the differentiation phase, that's often where couples really grow apart, you know, and they lose the intimacy and vitality and emotional connection in their relationship in this stage. It's also the stage where Ellen Bader says most affairs happen as well. So basically because if they don't do the, the differentiation, differentiation phase consciously yes. and have them addressed, like, here's the thing, folks, like you have to understand conflict is natural, you know, like um, a lot of, you know, I want to just point that out because it's a big thing. People in spiritual circles or what twin find they think like, oh, once I have to find the perfect partner, there will be harmony and bliss. There won't be any conflict and fight. No. And none of that. 
And then if both people actually have this ideal in their mind, they can easily become this conflict avoidant of just like pretending that everything is fine, but a lot of things are happening behind the scenes under the shadows, you know, and it's being swept under the rug. That's why, you know, again, a length of the relationship not equals quality because you can live in this almost like, a codependent, unacknowledged, avoidant type of relationship for many, many years. Yeah. And it's just stale. It's just nothing happens. Yeah, I see a right? lot of couples like that, especially couples who've been together for a long time. Exactly. And so there needs to be this conscious differentiation phase because for the matters you mentioned in the exploration phase where it's needed that every each partner needs to do their own thing and explore and kind of consciously separate in that sense within the container of the relationship then, uh, as you said, that's when the adultery happens, most affairs, or people decide maybe, oh, well, I'm going to be polyamorous and all of that. Or one partner is just uh, watching porn and all of that. So that's kind of, exactly, uh, you know, it's happening a lot and, and people are not aware of that. So yeah. go ahead. And so yeah. just to finish it off, I'll just go through the last two quickly. So then there's reproachment. This is when, when couples feel secure enough in their separateness. They are accepting of their differences. And then they begin to turn towards each other, but they turn towards each other now as two individuals. So the connection, it's like you return back to your partner with your newfound sense of individuality, you know, have gone through the symbiosis phase, have gone through the differentiation phase, and then you can turn back towards. And that's when you really, this is the point when you really see couples like, I mean, you very rarely see them, but I've met couples like this where like, they really love each other. They still hold each other's hands, but they're still unique people, you know, so that's that reproachment phase. And then there's synergy, you know, basically that's the final stage. And this is deeper, more intimate connection. Each person in the relationship knows that they're loved as they are as an individual. They don't have to hide parts of themselves as they did early on. And then there's this nice mix of in independence and interdependence that coexist. And the most important thing about this is that no stage can be skipped. Yes. So these are archetypes. Yeah. So the skills that you develop in one stage builds on the other and fall. It provides the foundation for the stages that follow. So even the symbiosis phase is actually important. That falling in love romantic phase is important because if you don't have that then, you know, and then you move into maybe a more passive avoidant couple, then the relationship will just die, you know, very quickly. But the differentiation phase is the hardest phase. This is where most people break up. This is where most people go into one of these hostile uh, strategies or they go into these avoidant strategies. And, you know, it's important to understand that, you know, couples don't grow at the same rate and they don't do it hand yes. in hand. So you may move, you know, into a more uh, different area. You may grow in a certain way. Well, your partner hangs back for a while. Like if you look at nature, that's how nature grows too. It happens the same in humans, you know? So you can't force your partner to grow, but you can take the first step. And it does take you know, courage, it takes fearlessness, it takes risk, Faith. like, and it also takes anxiety, um, anxiety tolerance, because as you grow in this differentiation phase, you actually have to be with the anxiety of actually becoming your own person. Um, yeah, that's a very important point to understand, you know, that we, in a growth for younger couple, when you do your work, that, you know, you're not always going together at the same pays in the same areas. There are different areas that pop up for each individual because we're very unique individual beings. That's the whole point of the differentiation phase to see the other as an in, as a unique individual. Yeah. You know, not to overlay our projections, get out of symbiosis. Oh, we do all this together, we, we, we. 
Uh, and then, you know, I think that's why in, I mentioned it before, but it helped me a lot really in that instance to get a better objective understanding was evolutionary astrology, understanding my deeper lessons based on my natal chart, for example, your natal chart, and then transits that happening for us individually. On top of it, then you have the composite chart and all of that. But it helps to understand that archetypally or like from this bigger picture perspective, you need to really respect the individuation process that is different for each. Yeah, Because the differentiation process is almost basically the individuation process for a couple in the sense. Mm, no, she actually, Ellen Bader specifically defines it as being different because individuation is a path of wholeness, whereas yeah, her definition point. of differentiation is the active ongoing process of defining who you are, expressing that, expressing who you are, revealing who you are, clarifying boundaries and managing the anxiety that comes from risking sharing your unique self that can either create more intimacy or potential separation. So you take a, there, there's a lot of courage and fearlessness, which is necessary in the differentiation phase, because number one, you have to start developing your eye and be like, who am I? How do I feel? You know, because there's a huge, there's all sorts of strategies that the couple will do to try and make their partner go back to the symbiosis phase to make their partner like them actually. So there's a lot of anxiety that you have to learn to manage through the differentiation phase, like revealing an opinion that's different to your partner, revealing an interest that's different to your partner, and also being able to have them reveal stuff to you that's different to you and you manage your anxiety about the fact that this person is different to you as well. Yeah. So, well, so on that, it reminds me as well, I would probably help with these phases in, in general before getting into deep relationship to really have a certain, like David Rico said, having already done a certain amount on yourself, knowing thyself, and even connected, even if you do by purpose or what you're already here to do, so to speak, in a sense, so you don't use the relationship as your purpose or like you're kind of addicted or dependent on the other person for because you have not found your own way. Yeah. So I think it helps, uh, you know, it will benefit these phases, especially from the symbiosis to the differentiation when each partner already has something they feel very uh, drawn to, like from a, you know, essence level, what their, their, their mark or their purpose in this world to do, so to speak. Yeah, if you look at it, you know, and that's also why we're, we're starting to do relationship stuff. If you look at it to the Aries um, Libra axis, which is what we're going to switch into in February 2023, Libra is like the, the, the archetype of like marriage, long-term relationships, you know, true e equal partnership. But opposing that is Aries, which is about the self, I, what do I want? What do I like? And you can't, you have to know the Aries archetype in order to actually get into a truly equal relationship. There has to be two solid eyes. So that's what she's pointing towards is like at this differentiation phase, you need to start asking the question like, who am I? How am I different to my partner? How am I able to communicate those differences? And it's also about a huge piece of this is, which there's no way we could do on the podcast, but we're going to do a little demonstration um, during the masterclass is about being able to stay in your own center when your partner is sharing an opinion that's different to you that you maybe you don't agree with without uh, getting overly emotional, without reacting to their emotions, without just changing your mind to agree with them, even though you don't genuinely agree with them just to keep the symbiosis phase or get flooded by their emotions. So it's basically learning how to stay in your own center when your partner ha expresses these differences, actually. So it's secure attachment, but it's secure attachment to yourself and secure attachment in the way that you relate to others. So 
you know, when the differentiation phase, you really have to have these strategies to manage conflict and anxiety tolerance in the face of difference. So this means identifying the thoughts and feelings and wishes you have that are different to your partner, developing skills to reveal more of those differences about who you are as an individual without blaming, shaming your partner or trying to make them like you. And this is like, you really got to rest in this tension actually, because it will help develop the, it will help maintain the intimacy and the vitality and emotional connection in your relationship. But it's honestly not easy. Like Bernhard and I have just gone through this phase ourselves you know, we're still, we're, we're, we are actively working on this phase of differentiation, you know, and it does take some, you know, maturity to work through this phase because there is a lot of anxiety that can accompany the company as well. Exactly. And then in the last part as well is just develop, developing the awareness that your partner is a different person. He's a, he or she is an individual. They have their own history, their own karma, their own thoughts, feelings, belief, and desires. And, you know, it's better at accepting their differences and being willing to, you know, be open to their differences, even if they feel maybe even threatening to you, you know. And so that's the key phase of the differentiation phase. And we're going to go into this uh, in we're going to go into this in the master class and talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, we go definitely deeper into our upcoming master class. Again, if you want to join, go to evolutionaryrelationshipsnow.com there you can register it's october 6th at 12 p.m until 3 p.m psd live masterclass however anyone who registers will receive the recording so if you cannot attend it um, you will receive the recording if you register and again the class is literally for everyone you know be if you're single dating or long-term relationship or marriage you will get something out of it so uh, with that being said, this is the end of the first hour, and we'll continue uh, in the second hour of the uh, two more relationship challenges, and we have a little bonus uh, after that as well. So in the second hour, we go deeper into trauma and self-defeating patterns and beliefs about relationships. We see that a lot as well. And then also we want to address this twin flame topic in delusion and distortion, very big in the New Age, has even made a comeback uh, along with this whole um, divine feminine, divine masculine, or the, these high polarity teachings, which there are some, you know, red flags as well. So we want to talk a little bit about that uh, in the second hour. Again, uh, that's for members. If you're not a member yet, you can sign up at my website, veilofreality.com, and then you have access to all the second hours, and we'd also appreciate your support so we can continue give you value and great insights and material you know, that's very relevant for the times we're in. With that being said, thanks for listening and see you in the second hour.